lock and load. This is Steve Dace. The Steve Dace Show. And greetings. Happy Friday. Welcome to the Steve Dace Show live and on demand here on Blaze TV radio and podcast. I am Steve Dace. He is Todd Erzin. He is Aaron McIntyre. She is Emerald Robinson. Good to have her back here on the program. We will have her joining us here in a moment for the Dace Group. In the meantime, let us know what you think about what we think via the stevedace.com inbox. Steve at stevedace.com is how you can email the program. That's D-E-A-C-E. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. And of course, you can go to places that don't censor us, like Me We Parlor, Gab, and Getter. Look for Steve Dace and Steve Dace Show there and get clips of the show free of censorship that are also free to watch when you go to rumble.com slash Steve Dace Show. Again, that's rumble.com slash Steve Dace Show. Make sure you are prepared. The next time it can't happen here, happens here as we look at. An increasingly uh, problematic issue, whether it's interest rates on the rise now, uh, inflation to hyperinflation, supply chain shortages. Have you guys seen the graphic of the price of oil? You know, only the most, maybe arguably the most valuable substance in all of the planet. Have you guys seen oil was $61 a barrel when Joe Biden took over? It's closing in on $120 a barrel right now. That's a yo. That is a yo. And it's only, dude's only been in office for 13 months, guys. Okay? Less than two years ago, it was worth negative money. Oil companies were paying to store their oil. Yeah. During uh, the pandemic. Mainly, mainly, yes. And then also the fact that prior to the pandemic, we had gotten to a place yeah. of energy independence on top of that. So, yes. So the next time it can't happen here, happens here, make sure you're prepared with our friends over at My Patriot Supply and their three-month now uh, emergency food kit. It's a three-month emergency food kit you'll save $150 on and get free shipping, uh, three square meals a day, including snacks and drinks, over 2,000 calories a day with the proper storage. It'll last for up to 25 years. We will not send the chartreuse Uh, or pink pastel doom prepper van to your house to drop it off. I mean, you can request that, then we might, but you might want to keep this on the down low, right? Uh, But you just want that peace of mind. It will be shipped discreetly to your door. And if you order now, get delivery within three days from My Patriot Supply when you go to preparewithdace.com. That is how you get the discount for up to three months, one kit for each person in your care. At My Patriot Supply, go to this website, preparewithdace.com. That is preparewithdace.com. Of course, it is a Friday. Next hour, we'll get to the feedback that you've been sending us recently uh, via the stevedace.com inbox. But we begin on a Friday, as we always do, with the Dace Group. Your weekly look at the week that was right there is pretty depressing. Look at that four box there. Okay. 
Look at Emerald Robinson compared to we three schmucks. Are you kidding me? Are you are kidding you? me? I look good. What are you talking about? No, she looks good. <laughs> then there's the three of us. Are you kidding okay. me? That's the Captain most America, depressing. Superman and yes, Steve Dace. And a sweatshirt and barely bathed. Aaron looks like Nosferatu over there. I- Hasn't seen a son in seven months. Okay. I didn't know I was supposed to be dressed Avenger theme. No. Or um, I would have participated. <laughs> I mean, this is this is the most depressing four box shot this audience has ever been subjected to. Thoughts? What, what would even be a close second to this? There isn't one. Here's the good news or bad. It's about to get a hell of a lot more depressing with issue one. Bleep Lord Nefarious says. Let's use this moment to reset. So stop looking at COVID as a partisan dividing line. Let's stop sending each, seeing each other as enemies and start seeing each other for who we are. Are you arguing that the Constitution needs to be scrapped altogether? <laughs> sure. Let's talk about gender roles and talking about them in the classroom. We can't change how divided we've been. There's a long time in coming. But we can change how to move forward. Was it important to the president that masks come off during, before the State of the Union? Is there a message that he hopes to send? Uh, I would say that for him, it had nothing to do with the timing around the State of the Union. There's COVID! Oh, you can't go, you can't go hug, you can't hug, you can't hug. No, 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 no. Sorry. Because I didn't support Roe v. Wade as a Catholic. I didn't support abortion as a Catholic. Well, I, well, I tell you what, I don't want to get in a debate with you on theology, but you know, well, anyway. The Keystone Pipeline has never been operational. It would take years for that to have any impact. I know a number of members of Congress have suggested that, but that is a proposed solution that has no relationship or would have no impact on what the problem is we hear all. We're working through an energy transition, and we've got to start by adding energy. And the reality is we have to take some time to get off of oil and gas. We recognize this. Ladies and gentlemen, the president of the, the vice president of the, (laughs) because as we all know, elections matter. And when folks vote, they order what they want. And in this case, they got what they asked for. I went off script a little bit. can't chud i'm just going with chud let's get to the first question emerald is the guest you get to go first what was the best of hell's offerings in that montage this week and why gosh there was so many i actually particularly liked uh i liked kamala harris's cell phone they got exactly what what they asked for because this is kind of what we knew was coming with the Biden administration when they took office there's so much Look, I do have to say, though, I I applaud you putting that montage together because all of those moments really got missed in corporate media because they've been too busy doing the squirrel effect, you know, saying, hey, look over there. It's Russia, Ukraine. Mm -hmm. Don't focus on anything that uh, any of Biden's failings and and the fact that they undid a mask mandate just before he uh, went to the podium in, in Congress to make it look better, despite what they've done to Americans all along. 
So uh, I just I have to applaud you to put it, for putting that together because the corporate media have been doing everything they can to take the focus off of a lot of breaking stories this week, especially if the FDA uh, releasing the side effects mm-hmm. after they had to by a judge on the vaccines. Mm-hmm. Todd? How about Joe Biden's wife? I mean, honestly, people are going to look back at this, I hope, if there's still a a time where we get to look back and and see how when she comes in, she's, she's managing the president of the United States like he's little Timmy who, you know, won't. He's about to take another cookie from the cookie jar or something. No, 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 no. And she's so representative of not just a wife, but of voters across this land who accept utter nonsense. I mean, utter nonsense. The president of the United States on Ash Wednesday as an ostensible Catholic, can't answer a basic question that's beyond the pale? Well, I mean, She's got I mean, to rescue him from that? To, to be fair, there is no answer to that question, to be fair. At least not a, le- not a legitimate one, to be fair. He could only lie. But I like, mean, if we're just keeping it real here, he could only lie. And speaking about that press that Emerald is talking about, like right there, like wh- the press is just accepting this. Why don't they say... Hey, Mr. President, why why the hell is your wife rescuing you from a question? Why? We didn't elect her. You're the president. To be fair, but, again, what's a press? What is what, what what is this? I have many. What is this entity of grievances. which you speak? I have many grievances. Well, Were you going to say do, something, I do, Emerald? I, Go I, ahead. I do, th- I do think because I know the reporter who was asking the question about abortion on Ash Wednesday, and that is um, that is. Uh, EWTN's Owen Jenkins, I believe is his last name, and he has asked repeatedly and trying to get, has has tried to nail down the president on that. And you could hear in the background he was trying to, but now he got no assistance hmm. from anyone else in that gaggle of reporters. In so, fact, I w- I would say they were probably laughing at him for asking again. So here's here's a question that I've had and I, and other people here at blaze TV have this question and people across the country do. And Emerald, you have for not one, but two different networks been a white house correspondent. So you're a good person to ask when Biden says I'll get in trouble. They don't want me. This is who they told me to call on. I'll get in trouble. If I answer your questions, they don't want me to answer that question. Who is he referring to? Has anybody ever bothered to ask that question ever one time? Who are you referring to, sir? People have tried to ask have and they? gotten no answer. But I, based on being around the White House and in the Biden White House, I would say that person is largely Ron Klain, the chief of staff, and then an extension of people, you know, Susan Rice or any of those other people that really don't want Biden answering questions. So the leftover Obama East of political structure, basically, is what you're saying. Gotcha. Yeah. All right, Aaron. I don't think Jen Psaki really has a say. It's mostly the higher okay. levels above her. Aaron? Probably my favorite ride on the uh, crazy train this week are the uh, students at the University of North Texas who uh, tried to shut down a conservative group's event featuring the dad of um, uh, of a son who was taken away from him because the dad would not go along with uh, so-called gender reassignment surgery or maybe it was just a so-called gender transition. And uh, they shut down this event 
um, saying F you fascists over and over and over again. These are the same people who are currently filling up Todd's Twitter mentions and currently uh, filling up basically Iowa political mentions with um, with bleatings and cries of bleatings. You, you, you hate trans people. You're not being fair and inclusive. You're bigot. Those are the same people, as Todd pointed out this morning, or maybe it was last night. The same people who bully and harass people like you and me who just, you know, um, think that biology, facts of biology are, you know, a thing. The same people who bully and harass people like uh, like that are the same people who are bleeding that it's not fair and it's hurtful and harmful. Um, that is that's. That's the greatest ride on the crazy train this week to me. The good news is, um, go ahead, Emerald. Do you want to comment on that? So I, I, I was just going to say, uh, I, I just want to commend Todd on his parenting because Thank that op ed by his daughter was, was so wonderful. Thank you, you have to be so proud. I am. Thank you. The good news is, it's literally impossible uh, to be bigoted uh, towards a trans person. Yep. Because there is no such thing. Uh, there, there are only males and females. There, there, there isn't a third variation of the human species. There's, there's only men and women. So that, that, that's at least one you can check off your, your guilt list because that's, that's virtually impossible. Let's get, to, I'm sorry, legitimately completely impossible. Uh, let's get to the exit question on a scale of one to 10 with one being the odds that Lindsey Graham will ever find a war. He doesn't want to get us into except of course, to defend our own country. And 10 being the odds that Lindsey Graham loves a man in uniform. Rate this week's level of total depravity. Todd. 10. Emerald. Uh, I will go with a, a nine just because, like you said, it, there's a war. If it was anything to really defend America, he probably would try to avoid getting into it. What do you think, Aaron? I think it's a 10. I think, it, I think we're pretty much at 10s from here on out. Unfortunately. Okay. Uh, folks, if you are particularly guys, if you're a little sensitive about your hair loss, I've got great news for you. Keeps has you covered with their genius offer of doctors that recommend clinically proven research backed treatments to stop hair loss and improve hair growth. And it's all done online to keep it discreet and convenient. They offer you huge savings as well. Uh, by doing it online and offering the generic versions of these accredited treatments to save you cash. And then they save you even more money on the back end to get you started with half off your very first order when you go to keeps.com slash grow. You can take care of it without ever visiting a doctor's office or a pharmacy right now. K-E-E-P-S. K-E-E-P-S, uh, prevent hair loss, stimulate hair growth, or just take better care of the hair that you have when you go to keeps.com slash grow Again, that is keeps.com slash grow. Let's get to issue two, the state of the urine. The state of the urine address. I've ordered more pills than anyone in the world has. And our troops in Iraq have faced, in Afghanistan, have faced many dangers. One being stationed at bases, breathing in toxic smoke from burn pits. <laughs> many of you have been there. Putin may circle Kiev with tanks, but he'll never gain the hearts and souls of the Iranian people. The American Rescue Plan helped working people. One way to fight inflation is to drive down wages and make Americans poor. I think I have a better idea to fight inflation. Lower your costs, not your wages. And that's basically all you need to know. On the Republican side, Congresswoman Lauren Boebert 
tried to jog Joe Biden's memory about the troops killed during America's pullout from Afghanistan. And they come home, many of the world's fittest and best trained warriors in the world, never the same. Headaches, numbness, dizziness, a cancer that would put them in a flag draped coffin. I know. Iowa Governor Kim Reynolds delivered the Republican response. 38 million people tuned in to watch the State of the Union. That's the smallest number for a president's first State of the Union speech in the last 30 years. What is it about burn pits that Nancy Pelosi just could not wait to get up and applaud? (laughs) In a time of oddities, that that is one of the most damn peculiar things I've seen in, in, in American politics. What is it about burn pits or whatever the hell he was talking about there that <laughs> made her, what was he talking like, about? I don't know what and he was, why talking was she about. reacting like that. I know it, but she could, she just couldn't get wait, couldn't wait to get out of her seat to applaud it. I, I mean, the whole, just the whole damn thing was peculiar. All right. See, it's the transgendering of everything. Talk about something that doesn't exist. Everybody's like, Yay! <laughs> but that's the whole Biden administration. Like, you know, environmental justice and all these other terms they make up. So let's make up our own terms right now. Sum up whatever that was on Tuesday in one word and explain why that's the word that you chose. Todd, I'll start with you. Broken. It is, uh, you know, the, the famous line, did he say it? Because I didn't, did he actually say the State of the Union is strong? Do we know? That's a good question because I think that, that's wow. everybody has to the, say that, right? Well, that's Maybe the he thing didn't. everybody says, but I yeah. don't. I I haven't seen. I don't remember checking that box. A video of him yeah. saying it because it's it's obviously not. It's it's laughable to suggest it. Uh, there's we are we are being undone, hollowed out from within. Oh, that's that's the, a great description. Hollowed out. Uh, the, you know, fr- fall of Rome stuff. Again, when when you talk about that, it's, yes, there's all of the the enemies at the gate, the Visigoths, etc. But it was a culture that collectively had lost its way. It had gutted. It had, its reach exceeded its grasp economically, morally. It was utterly decadent and lost. We we have no moral compass or center anymore, and it's abundantly clear if you watch that. Aaron, what word would you choose and why? Um, Xanax, probably. <laughs> or Adderall. Adderall. That's, that was going to be my word. Adderall for the win again. Yes. I, I mean, that's the people there were on one, um, except for maybe Lauren Boebert. Uh, I needed one, maybe. After watching that, it's just the whole thing is a is a, a farce. It can be useful. It can be useful. I, I I I sat there and listening to some of the words. It's like, yeah, I would like microchips to be able to be made here. I'd like to be able to make more of our stuff here. I would like to believe some of the stuff that he's saying, but I know it's just all not true. I, I know some of the stuff that he's just, you know, this, the the vision. Ca- it's just they're not going to do anything about it. It's just, it's just words. 
and then he drops the the the, the clip that I had in there. Um, there's ways to, uh, um, to to fight inflation, driving down wages and making people poor, telling the businesses, why don't you cut your costs and keep wages? That just, that's totally nonsensical ga- uh, uh, gobbledygook. But as Todd just pointed out the other day, I, uh, clapping seals, uh, one and all. So I, I just, I, 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 I needed something, maybe some, maybe some wine or a stronger drink after that. It's just... Uh, it's a farce. It's like watching Dolores Umbridge hold court over Hogwarts. Yeah. Is what it is like. Emerald, what one word would you choose and why? Delusional. Because he tried to present a reality that is not, and most people know that. You can see that in the polling. Also, I did check just now. He did say the State of the Union is strong, which we know... We're not at our strongest point, so that's delusional. But he qualified that by saying, because you, the American people, are strong. He also tried to suggest this was the best economic year in in American history. And you might could say that just because of the growth, because we were so far down. But again, there's inflation. And he presented a whole a whole different picture of the state of our union than what it really is. And what he's done on policy-wise... He almost sounded like Trump in suggesting, you know, masks must come off, kids must be in school. But look, it was he and his party who really pushed for lockdowns and pushed for kids not to be in school. So I said delusional. I also had a backup word, misdirection. He tried to take the opportunity to misdirect Mm -hmm. from uh, the failings of his first half you know, his first year in office. I think, and and I've been talking about this all week, so I want to bring it up again because I want to get Emerald's take on it because she's not been privy to those conversations. And I, I said before the speech, you, if you guys are subscribers of Blaze TV, if you watch the overtime, you'll recall this. If you saw me on Glenn Beck's Wednesday night special this week, I said it to him too. The only thing I cared about the speech is how many people watched. And, and the reason why is because... Mm-hmm. To me, just thinking about it as an old political flack, okay? How would I be looking at this situation and this data? When I see pre-polling, and it's not coming from Rasmussen and Trafalgar, which are lately actually the accurate polls, um, but it's coming from ABC News, Washington Post, are saying a majority of Americans think the president lacks the mental capacity and the competency to be president. Uh, A majority of independents think this. That, to me, similar to in the Trump White House, favorability or likability ratings would have me concerned because it would those are things where I start thinking there's nothing we could craft. There's nothing we could say. There's nothing we could do. These are people that have written us off. Now, favorability ratings matter a lot more going into year four of an administration as it did for Trump than maybe we're talking heading just barely into year two here. But if, but, I, but to me, I, I wanted to see if that a majority of those people that are saying that. Are they just ticked off about the direction things are going or have they written him off? And those are two totally different things. Okay. And when I see that, I mean, the only reason we know that it's the, the in the last 30 years, the least watched one of a first time state of the union by a president, because we don't have reliable data beyond night beyond that. But I would suspect that it, it would, if we did, it would turn out to be the least watched by any president uh, with a first state of the union address in the television era of only 38 million views. 
This is a guy that also, the last one that had that, that came close to being that low was Bill Clinton. Remember, guys, he only got like 41% of the popular vote that year because there was a three way split with him and Bush and, and Perot. This guy, we're told, got 81 million votes. The most votes in the history of a presidential election. He got 81 million votes and then turned around and what, 14 months later, 16 months later, is, is drawing flies at a State of the Union. To me, if, if I were in Emerald, if I were in the Democratic technocratic class, you know, um, if, if I were in the if I were the in the David, David Axelrod camp. I'd be very concerned about that number more than anything else, because to me, that shows that a large amount of Americans aren't even interested in being persuaded and sold at this point. What is your what do you think? They're not. And going back to your question about have they written him off there or are they just so upset about the current state of things? Um, I think most of them have written him off and you can hear it in regular Americans who say so I live in a neighborhood where it's not political. And my neighbor asked me, is he really as bad as it looks like he is on television? Because that scares me. And that's just a normal person. You know, mm-hmm. I don't even, I'm not even sure she's voted every time, you know, and hadn't really paid attention, but she's scared for our nation because to her, it's clear that he doesn't have, he's not mentally sharp enough to be president. Um, as far as the David Axelrods and the politicos, I get this question a lot. And again, their level of concern goes to back to how much they feel they can fortify the elections in 2022 and 2024, right? Mm-hmm. Because that's the word they use. Molly Ball wrote it in Time Magazine. They they said they quote unquote fortified the 2020 election. And it's how confident they are that they still have those mechanisms that they can use headed into the next election cycle. So it makes it harder for the American people to buy if they see those kind of numbers that he would win again. That's the difference. The difference the is they had a polling narrative to, to, to quasi justify the heist they did in 2020. They don't have any kind of a pre-established narrative this time. Right. Yeah. All right. Let's get to the exit question. If the impact the state of the year in state speech has on Biden's approval rating in, say, the next 30 days were a George Strait song. Which George Strait song would it be? A, easy come, easy go, as in who cares because the public is fickle anyway. B, blue clear sky, as in instant approval rating boost. Or C, baby's gotten good at goodbye. It's too late now either way. Aaron, what do you think? A. You think the mob is fickle? Yep. Easy come, easy go. Todd. A. You also think the mob is fickle. Emerald, what's your answer? Gee, I'm the odd one out. I say, see, good uh, baby's gotten good at goodbye because, look, I don't think there's anyone in America who doesn't know who Joe Biden is at this point. And uh, I, I don't think there's anything in that speech that would have changed anyone's mind. It might have hurt him more. And I don't think start potentially starting World War III makes anyone in America feel good right now. Prior to the numbers I cited in that ABC News Washington Post poll, I would have agreed with you too. And I would have said, hey, the mob is fickle. I mean, we have, we've lived through that repeatedly, right? I mean, how many times have I run down off the top of my head America's voting patterns in the 21st century and how literally bipolar to schizophrenic they are, right? Mm-hmm. But when I, when I see the kinds of numbers, and, it, and that's coming from regime-approved polling. That's regime-approved polling telling you that 60% of Americans don't think the guy is fit and competent to do the job. A clear majority of independents don't think the guy is fit 
or competent to do the job because I don't see how he projects differently. He's not going to get younger. Mm-mm. He's not going to get more alert. And so I I think I'm probably at a C. I, I and and I and by the way, I don't know that that's good news. Because if they come to the conclusion that there's nothing they could really do. They made all these moves to you know, essentially, uh, you know, wormhole COVID in the last week, right? And put us onto an alternative, you know, earth where COVID never even existed. And if they do all that kind of stuff and their numbers still don't dramatically improve, could they just get to the point where they're just like, hey, man, they're like the tenant who knows they can't pay the rent. So they just torch the place on the way out the door, you know, you know mm-hmm. waiting for the eviction to be fulfilled. You know what I'm saying? I mean, what would they do if they came to the conclusion that no matter what they do, their numbers can't improve? So let's just let the, let's really now let the freak flag fly. I don't, if, if they, if they thought that they were completely now essentially judgment proof, that they're immune from political realities because they can't satisfy them either way, what would they do if, if they, if they, if they came to those conclusions? On the other hand, how would it look much different than That's what they're doing right now? I think they came to that conclusion a long time ago about how they're going to handle electoral politics. Well, that, that to me strengthens my answer for C then. I do. I, I think that he's, I think that they are, they're goose, the goose is cooked. I think they're too married to their own um, ideology. What they need is a paradigm shift. Now, Republicans may offer that to them after getting control. They may offer them the foil Maybe. in order for that paradigm shift. We've yeah. seen that before too. We may see Republicans, yeah, you know, rescue defeat from the jaws of victory. That that could always happen for they sure. They do that. They do that. They do that very well. In fact, I will right, we'll come back. We'll talk about Ukraine on the Days Group here in a moment. You know, you have 360 places in your body called joints that are essential uh, for movement and remaining active, particularly as we get older from the top of your neck down to your feet. Here's the problem, though. As we get older, they can also become uh, places where this little thing called inflammation likes to hang out that can cause that chronic pain that you'll feel, that stiffness, achiness, soreness that lingers and just won't go away in your back, your arms, your hips, knees, your feet. That's why you're looking for an all-natural anti-inflammatory backed by going on a third decade of clinical research and now over two years of me using it on a daily basis called Omega XL. So I take it with me wherever I go. That's why I would personally recommend that you do the same. And you guys don't hear me complaining about things like leg day and all that kind of stuff anymore on the show. Just other things. Just other things. Believe me. You made room for other Yeah, I didn't stop complaining. I just stopped complaining about that. Yes, there's plenty of room for me to complain. Indeed. Uh, Visit OmegaXL.com slash Steve and you can buy one bottle, get a second one for free today. OmegaXL.com slash Steve or you can give them a call at 800-844-4888. That's 800-844-4888. Let's welcome back in our guest panelist for this week's Dace Group, Emerald Robinson. Let's get to issue three, Ukraine. They wouldn't lie to us about Russian collusion. They wouldn't lie to us about rape allegations. They wouldn't lie to us about a virus. They wouldn't lie to us about treatments for said virus. They wouldn't lie to us about an election But they're definitely telling us the truth about Ukraine. So here's the official narrative about what's going on there. So Ukraine is a country in Europe. It exists next to another country called Russia. Russia is a bigger country. Russia is a powerful country. Russia decided to invade a smaller country called Ukraine. So 
basically that's wrong. Gosh, Aaron. You right. remember the girl in the purple shirt who ran real fast? Yeah, neither does cars. So I want to share something with you guys. If I could pull a Kamala and go off script. All right. So this is from a little birdie, good friend of mine, lifelong military, one of us. Now he's worked uh, for DOD for several years now. Okay. Uh, he texted me out of the blue this morning on this. He says, hey, I'm keeping up with the debriefs we're getting on Ukraine. This is the most botched. Crap, let me see where it went here. There we go. I hit the wrong button. This is the most botched military operation by a superpower, he told me, since Napoleon's attacks on Wellington's army at Waterloo. That's like almost 300. That is 300 years ago now, right? Yeah. Um, something doesn't add up, he says. Either Russian military command is completely incompetent, which is highly unlikely, or Putin is making Hitler-like decisions about this invasion. Or I don't know what else. I'm no general, but just about anybody with a military background and Russia's assets could have outright defeated Ukraine in about seven to 10 days. Russians are having to bring in reserves as far out from their, their Pacific forces. They will have, they're going to have to bum rush Ukraine at this point to outright defeat it at a huge cost of men, material, media, and manipulation. I saw the Russian troops do an airborne assault into Pristina after they agreed to the NATO peacekeeping protocols in Kosovo back in the day. They know how to take major airports and seaports. They did neither in Ukraine. It could have been done with less loss of life on both sides than what we are currently seeing. So I sent to him just two potential layman's theories, alternative hypotheses of what could be happening here. Number one, uh, that Putin is not the mastermind here, but he is the mark that he has allowed himself to be manipulated by the Davos crowd uh, into a muddled war that will destabilize his regime in order for Davos to install a more Davos-friendly leadership uh, inside the Kremlin. Or number two, that Putin doesn't really want to control the entirety of Ukraine, but only the Western half, and is only engaging in an amount of warfare to weaken Ukraine's bargaining position to that end. Did he think either one of those options were possible? Uh, His reply to me is yes. However, um, the military, his military desperately wants to regain control of the Black Sea. I know Putin has a messianic complex about Kiev, so I think your second option is more viable. Um, But either way, a lot of this doesn't make any sense. He says, true, strange, evil, and dark times in which we are living in. All right. So with that debrief, thoughts? Floor is open. I will I will begin here with a little bit of show and tell. Okay. These two items that I'm about to show you basically sum up my thoughts on this entire situation. One is a tweet from Jordan Schachtel, independent journalist at uh, dossier.substack, who said last weekend, mm-hmm. a lot of people pulling down the uh, uh, their profile vaccines, meaning the little emojis in their profiles, and replacing them with Ukrainian flags. That's that. that that speaks on so many different levels. And then there's this meme yep. that I saw yesterday. For those of you listening, it's an orc from the Lord of the Rings with the World Economic Forum logo in the background with the text saying, the age of Pfizer is over. The time of Raytheon has come. Ooh, boy, that's a reference. A little bit of show and tell in there. That, that's basically, that basically th- sums up my thoughts. I, I really and don't. Also- Go ahead, Emerald. I was just going to say, remember, all these players are members of the World Economic Forum, even even Vladimir Putin. And he did go. We now know he went to President Xi 
He went to China and asked for permission of when to invade, and he was essentially told to wait till after the Olympics. So this is coordinated on a level that we just don't talk about. And I don't think it's such a much more complex situation. I think you all have gotten at it, that this all ties back to the World Economic Forum. And it's essentially the, the Great Reset is our, my, it's my thought. Because remember, Klaus Schwab, the head of the World Economic Forum last year, held an event called Cyber Polygon. And in that event, they simulated a massive cyber attack, global cyber attack. You remember who his partner with it was in this for the simulation were Russian banks. Now you have all certain people out here saying there's going to be massive cyber attacks on the U.S. and that Russia will be to blame. The Great Reset is what the Biden administration wants. It's what our global elite want. So if the financial system goes down and they can blame Russia, it allows the opportunity to cease uh, to switch to a cashless society and put us all under a Chinese style social credit system where we would be under 24 hour surveillance. So I feel like in this situation, we're talking about, oh, does Russia win? Does Ukraine win? I don't think anyone wins in this, but the great reset, the World Economic Forum and our global elites, if they pull this off and that really Ukraine is a, a big distraction. That's not much different than my own analysis, actually. I mean, that's what I've been talking about on this show. Uh, and I talked about on Blaze TV's Wednesday night special is that I think that um, I, I think Putin views himself as the mastermind here. I believe he is the mark. Mm-hmm. I don't believe he's the mastermind. I believe he's the mark. The thing you sent me this morning, the, the breaking news out of uh, China that you sent me this morning, where they're now basically saying, hey, you're running out of time. Mm-hmm. Glad. Yeah. Okay. So first of all, put it off for a couple of weeks post-Olympics. Here's why that matters. If you know the climate in that part of the world, you get into the rainy, muddy, early spring season and everything else, which makes it can slow down a ground assault even longer. Okay. Uh, you also maybe give uh, the Ukrainians under the radar a little bit longer period of time to undergird some of their defenses at the exact same time. You've got our president predicting the exact date that the Russians would invade. See, I think I think Putin thinks that he was going to get ahead of the Great Reset crowd and launch his uh, Peter the Great for the 21st century offensive uh, in the Baltic. Uh, and instead, he's the one that I think has been surrounded and is being manipulated Just here. Just to quickly sum up the, what I began with i i just think it doesn't really matter what putin's motivations are right now because at the end of the day i I believe the russians and and just putin himself sees himself and russia as having some sort of uh a national destiny and they see themselves as sovereign outside of the world economic forum crowd um, the, the exact same forces, as Emerald pointed out, um, at, at work behind the Great Reset are the same ones on and they're all on the same side in this conflict as well. So I really don't think it matters what Putin's end goal is here because it's just a proxy fight for two uh, groups of very bad people. I agree. It's like a demonic civil war. You're watching it take yeah. place. I agree. Todd. Uh, I've tried to think about this from every angle. Uh, all of yours are more than acceptable. One thing that's come... What if he is pulling a Trump? What if he is like Trump being elected in 2016 and just not caring about the game on every any level, not being a normal politician, not being a normal Republican, not being a normal anything, and 
the entire system that relies on a certain kind of normal panics and decides to order 66 and now we have great reset we've talked about this on the show is did it have to get fast forwarded earlier than people thought because i don't of know trump. what you're saying is much different than frankly what we are saying no, I'm, it's a version it's of a, i'm just it's saying just a, it's a variation i'm on not a thing. sure if he thinks he's a master i think he's just decided at his age i'm not playing anybody's game i'm going to do what i want i know it may end up badly but i'm definitely not playing their game and i'm not saying that's right or wrong i'm just saying trying to evaluate what he may be doing is what because emerald's right he's got his hands in all the the great reset stuff on various levels but at the end of the day, isn't he just a guy that's yeah, going to do think, whatever he wants yeah, to? See, I think he does that because he thinks he's the mastermind here. I'm the former head but of the KGB. Tr- I'm the I'm the one. I'm the one. Play- well, that's that is very Trumpian. I'm the one playing four dimensional chess while I hand mm-hmm. my enemies all kinds of political talking points what if, they'll use against me later. Playing, go, go ahead, Emerald. What if he's also playing along with the plan? Since he is part of that crowd and he sees the way that the winds are shifting and going, and it you know. He doesn't feel like he can overcome the World Economic Forum group and this global elites, because the thing that gets me, and it goes back to your source, Steve, is how would Russia be doing this badly? They, that's what I can't get. Russia should have be. Let's define badly. Ukraine. Let's define I badly. Mean, badly, as in well, they have they haven't won this as fast as perception would have assumed that they would have. Okay, that's how, yeah. Okay, and having to pull reserve troops, having more loss of life right. for the Russians than expected. Right. That's the only thing that gets me in this because I don't think Ukraine has had the amount of help that would allow them to counter Russia as well as they are. So I also leave open the possibility. And again, I don't think Putin matters that much as much as being a pawn, right? Either way, no matter what his motivations are, whether he thinks he's acting independently or whether he's decided to go along with the group. So that's where I don't know really what happens to him or it has i in some ways i do wonder if he's went ahead and made a deal because he thinks he'll have a place in this new world order if they can get it established instead of being a target of the new world order which he would be if he doesn't go along let's get to the exit question if vladimir putin's status when this war is resolved were a travis tritt song country theme today which travis tritt song would it be a here's a quarter Call someone who cares, as in nothing matters. Uh, B, the whiskey ain't working anymore, as in he's toast. Or C, I'm going to be somebody, as in his status is elevated. Aaron. Right now, I think it's looking like a B. Todd. I'll go C. think the status is elevated. Emerald, what do you think? I, I lean towards C, just because of what I just said. Possibly elevated, but it... it it's tough. It could be A, because I'm not real sure what part he he thinks he plays in this. Yep. Yeah, my answer would be A. I think he is a bit player here. That's what I think. See, that's perfect. We answered all of them. Yeah, so. we did. That, that, yeah. <laughs> so let, let, let's, get to, let's get to issue four. What's the next crazy crap we're going to try as a culture? So that, that dude swimmer, Leah Thomas, uh, is likely to dominate actual women at the national championships next week. Um, which is why every previous generation of Americans would have never let something this crazy happen, right? So what is the next crazy crap that we try as a culture? What's your guess, Todd? Quickly. Well, how about the Babylon Bee? I think they got it right. Actual live sharks in the pool swimming with the women. I mean, it's, why why judge? <laughs> that, nice. Live sharks. All right, Aaron. <laughs> I didn't expect that one. Um, 
trying to plumb the depths of depravity here is uh, is difficult, but I I believe we're actually we're actually going to go full circle and try like um like a a straight guy and a straight woman and they get together and they get married and then they like ha- start having babies and stuff. That would be pretty nuts. Nice. Should have gone to you last. Emerald, go ahead. Oh my gosh. Now I feel like I'm really, really dark because I don't, (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I would say we are going to go full on, um, trying to go full on pedophilia because they're already trying it. My friend in who is not religious at all was super upset in Northern Virginia when her five-year-old came home from kindergarten and said they'd read a book. I am jazz. And he asked if he was a girl, really a girl. Hmm. And then my other friend in Fairfax City Schools is one of those women who moms have been screaming about the porn and, you know, the homosexual porn in the high school there and trying to get it out. So I think they're not just grooming your kids to be liberals anymore. I think they're going to push even further with uh, grooming your kids to be sexual deviants they can take advantage of. Sorry, super dark. That is super dark, but I don't know why we wouldn't presume that given the obvious grooming we've already seen with Drag Queen Storytime Hour on Good Morning America, for example. All right, let's get to our predictions. Remember, it can be on absolutely any topic whatsoever. I know to go to Aaron first, because I know this will be lame. So, Aaron, go ahead. Exactly. Thank you. I I believe uh, the NCAA, (laughs) contrary to uh, what a number of people have theorized on Twitter over the last 24 hours, the NCAA will not pull out of Des Moines next year because of the, of the, the tranny bill. Count on it, they won't. Yeah, they haven't pulled out of anywhere. No. Todd, go ahead. Uh, There is going to be, like we used to have, uh, you know, nice kid of the week, various things. There's going to be in the future, very shortly, a shout your mental illness of the week in elementary and middle schools and high schools across the land. I'm feeling You're going to actually get like gold stars for mental illness. Uh, Shout your psychosis? Yes. I can see it. Emerald, go ahead. What's your prediction? Oh my gosh. Again, I feel like I'm super dark and depressing. I think that after the midterms, everything we saw this week about COVID disappearing and no mask mandates and all that, and where did COVID go? I think it'll be back with a vengeance. Mandates are back after midterms. Mandates after midterm. I could see that in some places. That I could see. Yeah, um, not Florida. Yeah, it won't be, there, in some places, could I, I could see California, for example, New York getting their fetish back on. I could see that. Uh, my, I'm going to have a prediction along the same lines. Uh, my prediction is the jab is dead. If you look at the numbers, only 26,000 plus Americans have been added to the ranks of fully jabbed in the last 30 days and just 3,700 plus in the last week. The jab is dead. The side effects from it, however, long live and will remain. Emerald, good to see you. As always, quickly, we got 20 it's seconds. So tell, good to see you. tell our audience how they can find you again, really quick. Sure. You can find me on Substack at emeralddb3dogboy3.substack.com and my show on frankspeech.com and Lindell TV, The Absolute Truth with Emerald Robinson launches March 14th at 9 a.m. Eastern time. You hit that mark like a pro. You nailed it. Good to see you again. All right. Take care. All right. Hour two is coming your way, folks. Stay tuned. We're back with hour two. 
Ooh, chill. Live and on demand here on Blaze TV, radio, and podcast. Steve Dace here with Todd Erz and Aaron McIntyre. All of you, let us know what you think about what we think. You can do that by emailing the show, steve at stevedace.com. That's D-E-A-C-E. Like us on Facebook, uh, MeWe, Parlor and Gab. Follow us on Twitter at Steve Day Show, at Getter, at Steve Day Show as well. And then look for us uh, with clips of the show that you can watch for free that are free of censorship when you go to rumble.com slash Steve Day Show as well. And again, the last name is D-E-A-C-E. Some smart aleck emailed me this morning. Hey, how do you spell your last name again? Yeah, I'm feeling you, dog. D-E-A-C-E. Again. D-E-A-C-E. Again. No, I won't do it again. We're good. Uh, also, uh, don't forget if you're a podcast. D-E-A-C-E. Mm, there it was. Uh, if you are a podcast listener, please uh, leave us a five-star review. If you kind of like the show, uh, embellish a little bit. If you don't like the show, don't lie. But if you just think it's okay, just totally exaggerate how much you like. We would appreciate that. And hit the subscribe and follow button, too. Thank you to all of you that have done those things for us already. I'm told by people that know more about this apparently than me that you have done your part to help our podcast to continue to grow. I do not know how that works, but I do know that our overlords here at uh, Blaze Media like it when they see those numbers go up. So thank you for at least pleasing them. This portion of the show brought to you by Patriot Mobile. Boy, if we have not learned anything uh, in the last few years, please at least may it be that we learned this. When it's at all possible to do business with those who share our values, take full advantage of it in one place where it is, is with something that pretty much all of us have to use these days uh, in order to thrive in a modern America, and that's a mobile phone. Go with our friends at Patriot Mobile, and I get it. You know, we put off for years making the switch. We would, we've talked about Patriot Mobile on this show in several different formats, platforms, iterations, and time slots, and I just never made the switch because it was going to be a huge hassle, or at least I thought. Finally, the last couple of years were enough is enough. I got to stop knowingly sending my money to people who hate me when I know I have an alternative. And we took advantage of the switch. They did a great job helping us. They have a fantastic customer service team. And so I know they can help you as well. If you're a veteran or first responder, let them know when you call in, they'll give you even bigger savings as a way of saying thank you for your service. For everybody else right now, get a free activation when you use my name, Steve, as your offer code when you go to patriotmobile.com slash Steve. That's patriotmobile.com slash Steve or give them a call at 972-PATRIOT. That's 972-PATRIOT. All right, should we get underway with some feedback Friday? Let us begin with this note. Greetings. This is Alexander Rogers. A bit of housekeeping up front. May I just say that you gentlemen since 2020 have been, along with a few others, the tip of the spear fighting against tyranny. For that, may you, Todd and Aaron, receive all the success and praise that far too often is given out haphazardly in right-wing media. And specifically to Todd, in December, your call to prayer on behalf of my son Alexander was an unexpected but a necessitous act of charity that is a debt I cannot repay. Today and each after, thank you, my brother. In an introduction that is far too overdue with all considerations to humility, I am simply a low, a low born from small town South Jersey. Husband to a venerable wife, my wife Heather, father to three beautiful children, and above else a disciple of Christ. Preceding the year 2020, I was not so much a different man as I was less hardened and keen. Starting with the shutdown of March 2020, I was furloughed for seven weeks while my wife, who is a paralegal, saw the shutdown of the New Jersey civil courts. 
I did not receive a single dollar of income, not even unemployment during that entire time. Mind you, this is when 40 million Americans were forced out of work. Saying my wife and I were stressed and financially stretched thin is an understatement. Upon returning to my work at that time, selling cars, I saw sales dry up and decided to make a move. When I saw an opportunity to open up to become a warehouse, uh, when I saw an opportunity open up to become a warehouse manager at a local large volume liquor store. Over the, over the time there, I had first, you knew they weren't going to shut down the liquor stores, right? Over the time there, I had firsthand experienced the Legion cultist takeover of my superiors and subordinates, in particularly the owner uh, of the business. We went from no mask to mask just while on the floor to masks all the time in a hard, sweaty, and labor, laborious job. Eventually, they came around to flirting with mandatory vaccination and dipped their toe in the water by allowing jabbed workers who presented their papers to go unmasked at work. As for the rest of us, we were to be relegated to second-class citizenship of medical apartheid within the workplace. I would not stand for this, and using just a bit of guile, I declared I was jabbed, but refused to present my papers out of concerns for medical privacy. This is a decision I made as my wife and I were very much still in the hole financially. Promptly the next day, I was called into the office and immediately terminated by the owner's wife, as the coward didn't even have it in him to look me in the eye and do it himself. I drove home and yet again called my wife. Let me just say, I have been there, man. I got fired when I first started this business. I got fired from two radio jobs in four months. Had to make that call twice. So I know what that is like. I drove home and yet again called my wife, telling her I lost another job. In total, I've had five jobs since 2020. But the tumultuous nature of my career life is nothing that compares to this past December. Early one evening, my son fell a short distance off the couch and hit his head on the coffee table. After a few minutes of crying and some consoling from his mother, Alexander was back running around being his normal self. But a few hours later, my three-year-old boy walked into the bathroom, vomited on the floor, and became increasingly non-responsive. A hurried ride to our nearest hospital, I held my son's hand as they scanned his head, revealing a large mass of blood in between his skull and brain. They rushed him up to be prepped for emergency surgery as I watched my little boy was undressed and laid there now in a motionless and sedated state. As I signed waivers for surgery, the surgeon began speaking to me about what he had to do to save my son's life and afterwards handed me one of Alexander's socks. I suppose the other was lost in the ordered chaos, but here I stood in the back of a hospital emergency room, my wife sobbing on my shoulder as they wheel my son away and I'm just standing there holding this warm sky blue sock in a stupor of surreal disbelief. And I held on to that sock I did. As Heather and I paced in the waiting room, I gripped that small garment and prayed for my boy's life. I dropped to my knees and asked God in my desperate and broken irrationality that if a life be taken, make it mine instead of his. That to give my life in such a fashion is the greatest mercy I could be bestowed. By the grace of God and the power of prayer, Alexander survived that night. And several days later, my wife and I took him home, my little carbon copy. One lesson I discovered is that for a man, the greatest knowledge is to know God. The greatest accomplishment is to make him a wife. The greatest blessing is to be given a child. But the greatest mercy is to be outlived by his and await their punctual reunion with him in the kingdom of heaven. Perhaps not only the last two years of COVID tyranny, but also the near death of my son focused my disgust and disdain, not for just for those who seek our ruination, but mainly for those who pretend to fight on our behalf. These members of Con Inc., these algorithm conservatives have for many years, by our own will, been given the 21st century equivalent of first choice of meat and mate. 
We've watched their shows, supported their sponsors, bought their overpriced apparel, made them bestseller after bestseller, and perhaps most pertinent, we defended their honor and dignity when others levied against them such hateful vitriol. They have become familiar, familiar more with wealth, comfort, and endless adulation than most of us could ever see in many lifetimes. And where were they in each passing year where each has felt as if this was the penultimate one? What did they do when the spirit of the age came knocking? Did they protect you? Did they stand for you? Did those who have been given so much, did they defend your honor and dignity? No, they flung open the door and let the mob come to know those angels carnally. And what is worse about such a fate is that the spirit of the age does not merely seek our destruction, but the exhaustive desolation of every holy truth we hold dear. Where amorality disguised as immorality is not just a blessing of liberty, liberty, but must be purchased at the price of our children's innocence. That marriage is not only what man decides, but is something that to be to be defiled altogether. Where women alone, where woman alone is whole and adequate, married she is half what she used to be, and man alone is wholly inadequate, married he is twice what he deserves to be. That our very nature and roles as man and woman is not just something to be perverted, but that image of God is to be mocked and utterly destroyed with the chemicals and knives of modern day witch doctors. And that the most innocent among us continue to be slaughtered by the millions, not to just have us commit a great sin, but because of the fact that life at conception has been divinely affirmed by the incarnation and hypostatic union of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We're dropping some serious um, stained glass window terms here. These monsters seek the end of Christendom, and while past generations pledged their lives, fortunes, and sacred honors to create this nation founded upon a creed, our current ruling and intellectual class will not even ask or risk a damn YouTube strike to defend it. If this is shared aloud this night and each after, hold your children close and let them know your love for them is only surpassed by the love Christ has for them. For there is no greater responsibility of a parent, aside from the immediate protection of your children, than to help guide them out of the mire of doubt and sin towards the way of righteousness. And to everyone, may you wake tomorrow and move past trying to be who you want to be. Often man's wants at best are fleeting, and at worst are self-defeating. Instead, become as God has destined you to be, and walk your threaded path in the beautiful tapestry that is his story. Your brother in Christ, Alexander William Rogers. That is very well worded. I will only add this. I posted uh, what I said on the show last night on my Facebook page that Russians are the new, Russians, the people, the people, the basic people living and dying in Russia who live under a tyrant. They are the new unvaccinated. And it's not their fault. They live under a tyrant. Just like it wasn't the unvaccinated's fault that that virus got out of the lab and all the solutions that were offered officially for it turned out to suck and not work. But they can be blasphemed, they can be attacked, insulted, they can be denigrated, they can be you know subjugated by elites nevertheless. And somebody posted on my Facebook page today, actually it is kind of the Russian people's fault. I mean, they could rise up, they could overthrow Putin. And I wrote back to him, I said, you know what? In essence, you are correct. They could. But I kind of feel as if the country that wouldn't risk not wearing a mask into Costco probably has no standing to lecture the Russian people about risking getting mowed down in the streets by Vladimir Putin. Amen? Amen. And I think that's kind of what Alexander Rogers is talking about. 
there has been a finite list of people over the last now 24 months that took the capital that we, because prior to doing this for a living, I bought all these books. I watched all these shows. I listened, they were just, I listened to all the shows. I, I was a consumer long before I got into this business. I mean, my, when my wife wanted to get to know me, she went out and bought Rush Limbaugh's two books, The Way Things Ought to Be and See, I Told You So, because she thought reading those would, uh, and Bo Schembechler's autobiography, she thought those three things would help her get to know me a little bit better, and she was right. But this was the moment for those people to take all that capital, fiduciary and political, that we have We've invested in them and they have been permitted to store up at great wealth and then now return that investment and cash that capital in and go for broke on our behalf, right? Mm-hmm. Instead, Bill O'Reilly came here on the blaze and uh, said that uh, um, you're a fool if you don't get jabbed and cops and firefighters should be fired if they don't want to be poisoned by a jab that doesn't work. That's what you got out of the guy that for many years was the number one best-selling personality in conservative media. And that's just a, one specific example of what Alexander is referencing. And it's probably providential that we didn't quote-unquote make it big before this moment hit because I, I don't know that I would not have been tempted by the same things. I remember the first time I was invited by a national entity to appear on a, on a national program was NPR. This was about, no, man, 10, 11 years ago. And I was going to be on opposite like Ed Rendell. I was going to be the conservative on opposite Ed Rendell, the head of the Democratic National Committee at the time. Uh, and I think it was like some fake conservative think tank dude who in the, in the Trump era just outed himself as a, as a secret lib, like Stu Rothenberg, I think maybe was his name. Okay. So he was going to represent kind of the mainstream GOP view at the time on this issue. And, and then me, and the issue I think was immigration actually. And I remember like feeling that I had to like get myself like extra prepped and you know, make sure I, I talk more formally than I do on my show. And, and I'll never forget, you know, the, the first show editor we ever had, your predecessor, Todd, Jen, looked at me and said, why are you, what are you doing that for? They booked Steve Dace. So guess who you should be? Steve Dace. And I have thought about that moment many times when we have reached another rung up the ladder. There is something innate in, we, in us as men. King David is a much better king, much better when he's uniting the 12 tribes. He can be a pretty terrible king after he's already done so, right? I mean, almost all of his worst moments are after he has now consolidated his power. There is something innate in us as men that we do lose the eye of the tiger, man. After a while, you know, Rocky starts working out at Gold Gym uh, with supermodels while Clubber Lang's doing, you know, chin-ups off of pipes in a basement somewhere. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. We lose the edge. We do. And it's really hard to hold on to it when you have that kind of success. That's one of the reasons why I think 
you know, the challenge to finish the race. I ran into a pastor here in town years ago who just was adamant against taking a stand on any culture war issue whatsoever. And I found out that like years before he like started the first pro family organization in the state and was like, you know, on the front lines of every culture war thing, like back in the day, you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And so I, I don't know what happens once we get a little bit older, once we certainly get a little wealthier, the temptation then becomes hoard that, protect it, defend it. And it's providential that we didn't and still haven't, quote unquote, made it big. We're bigger, you know, but we didn't face those temptations. Doesn't mean we didn't take any risks. I mean, I don't, I'm so, I'm so black marked now. I, I mean, I tried doing a tryout with ESPN radio a few years ago and they loved it and then told me there's no way we could hire you. <laughs> okay. So, I mean, I'm doing this the rest of my life. Which means if I, which means if I face plant here, I don't know what else I'm doing. All right, I'm I'm so marked because of the incendiary things I've said and done in this arena, right? So I don't want, I don't want to make it look like we haven't risked anything because we did. We could have been wrong at any point and out of jobs, and who knows what we were doing for a living after that. But it is not the same as risking if we're the main star of a major media empire. We're not. We're the supporting cast. And I mean, I, I would like to think we'd still go for broke and keep the edge because I'm wired that way, but David probably thought that way too. You know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? Lots of men have. Any thoughts before we move on? Oh, let's let that sit right there. Both the letter, Alexander, uh, and your follow-up were, I mean, honestly... I, I shudder to think where we might go now just to get in the way of any of that in the remainder of the show. Good stuff. I, that was the yang to his list of... Uh, yes. His list of books to be written. Yes. Gaslighting books to be written. Hmm. The one that broke me a few yeah. couple That's weeks him. ago. That's yes. him. Yeah. Uh, it's tough to get me to lose my composure spontaneously. <laughs> Brother, you did it. So whatever uh, props you think that deserves, you've earned them. Hey, how much equity do you have in your home? Don't find out the hard way uh, when a cyber criminal steals that equity and no one tells you until it is too late. That's why you need to go to HomeTitleLock.com, America's leader in home title protection. You see, here's the problem. The deed to your home is the only document that proves you actually own it. And the deeds to all of our homes are online these days. So in minutes, a competent criminal can forge your name off the deed to your home, refile as the new owner, and then they now have access to all of your equity. Here's the thing, too. Common identity theft services, uh, mortgage lenders, homeowners insurance can't protect you from this, but that's what Home Title Lock does. So go there right now. Use the code radio when you do. HomeTitleLock.com. Get the peace of mind to know that the deed to your home is protected with Home Title Lock. Dot com. Paula in Tampa Bay says, I kept waiting for you to tell us about your family trip to Universal in Florida, but you only mentioned the weather. The gals in the audience want to know how it was. Where'd you guys stay? Where did you eat? What was your favorite ride? Did your family have fun? Do you have pictures? Did anyone recognize you or did you blend in with all the other tourists? All right, Paula, I guess if, you, if you're going to ask me to talk about myself, put a gun to my head. You drive a hard bargain, sister. All right. Uh, we had a great time. 
we stayed um, the brand new. They they just we stayed at the Hard Rock, which is one of the nicer hotels on the Universal campus. The last time we went, and it was a really nice hotel. We also were only like never in there. Sort of like this time, we're why you know spend extra money if you don't have to for a room that you're not going to spend much time in. So they just um, they just opened up a couple of. Um, Really nice budget held hotels there at Universal called Surfside and Dockside. We uh, got one. We got like the nicest suite that they offered in one of those, which is about the same cost of a basic room at Hard Rock. So that uh, Zoe and Noah had had their own room and Amy and I had our own. Our oldest, Anna, could not go. Um, She couldn't get the time off of work to go with us this time. Um, We had a great time. I was a little worried about the weather. Just because it was literally going to be like an 80 degree difference from what we were leaving. And that's that's a shock to the system. But the good news is that uh, Florida, it turns out this time of year, hottest time of the day is like mid to late afternoon. And so since the parks close by 6 p.m., you're pretty much done by three, four o'clock with most things anyway, if you get there early enough, which we did. Um, Where did we eat? The Surfside Dockside had a phenomenal and I mean really good cafeteria. So we ate there. The, the the two of the nights, the first night we had ate at the Chocolate Emporium, um, and it was okay. Um, everything was crowded. I did a lot of research that said this last week was the one of the least attended weeks at Universal. That was a lie. <laughs> All right. Not even close. Thankfully, we got the Express Pass, so that helped. Um, what else? Um, we have a couple pictures. Uh, the kids, as they get older, are not as amenable and friendly to taking many, many pictures as they used to be. Uh, what else? I did get recognized a couple times, uh, three times actually, but two of them were by people that were either on the plane from Des Moines or back to Des Moines, so they were locals. Only one time did I get recognized there by somebody that was not a local that picked me up, at, picked me out of the, out of the crowd. And then um, favorite rides, two of the best rides, and and you know. One of the things that uh, that that my dad would do, that Dave would do, is make goods. Um, if he would have a, an outburst when when I was a kid, is we'd go on fantastic family vacations. So I mean, I've been to almost every major amusement park in America at least once. So I mean, I've I've ridden all kinds of roller coasters and I've I've done them all. And but two of my favorite rides in the in the in the country are at Universal. I still think. The original Hogwarts ride, the first one they did, is better than anything they've done with Harry Potter since. Although I did not ride the new Hagrid one because it was a two-hour wait both days we were there. And it was the only ride, or one of only two rides in the park that was exempted from the Fast Pass, so I didn't have the patience for it. So I could be wrong. Hagrid maybe measures up to it, but I will tell you the Hogwarts Castle ride there is phenomenal. And the other one is the Spider-Man ride. And that's actually one of the oldest continue, uh, continuous rides at that park. That ride's about 20 years old. Really? Yeah. Uh, and well, it, it is ahead of its time. It is ahead of its It's amazing how well it holds up now. I mean, it, it is like being in a living, breathing comic book. So I rode those rides actually back to back. I mean, after riding them, I got back in the express lane and rode them uh, both again. Those would be my two favorites there. Love the Transformers ride. Have a lot. I really like that. Um, Minions is phenomenal too. Really like that. Um, those would be my top four attractions right now at Universal, I think. And then I could probably be persuaded to put several other things in the top five, but we had a really good time. It was a perfect amount of time. Got away, saw a lot of sun. Um, 
Uh, got to have drinks at the bar, you know, one night we were there and let the kids kind of do their own thing because they're old enough for that now. So it was a good time. Did you do uh, Rip Ride Rocket? No, but I have done that one before. The Hulk? Uh, I did that the last time we were there. Cool. Yeah. They're okay. I mean, they're just running the mill. They're they're good roller coasters, but I I don't feel like they're oh no transcendent they're experiences. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, they're they're good. I, I've done like every form of roller coaster. So uh, to me, especially as I get older, I'm more interested in the conceptual thematic ones. You know, I've done every kind of roller coaster you can imagine. I've 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 been on a roller coaster that's done everything to me other than drop me onto the ground. So at this point, you know. The thrill has kind of been there, done that. I don't know how you feel about it as we get older, but I kind of just feel like I've done all of that now, you know? How many more times can we go fast? How many more times can we go upside down? You know what I'm saying? I think getting, getting, getting put in the middle of a Spider-Man comic book. Now that, 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 that gets my rocks off as that does. I think that's probably true. I did, if I went back and I don't know how long I, well, it's, I've worked for you for like seven years and it was like in that first year I worked for you when I was there. And yeah, that, the, the new thematic ones, or for guys our age, that's a reason to go in there and, and have a story told to you. Yeah. Karen Edgen says, I've been putting this off, but I love to watch your show every day. And today when you use my name in vain, four, yes, four times, I have to ask you to stop using a once beautiful name, Karen, as a synonym for any overbearing, screechy, unreasonable person. Would you please pick a word that actually describes the idea you are expressing <laughs> or use another word that begins with a letter like B? Perhaps something like Brenda. I see what you did there. I, I see you working there, Karen. I'm feeling you. Does Karen kind of have a point? Are Karens the Russian, the new, are, they, are, they, are Karens now the Russian people? We can be, if your name's Karen, we can say, do anything about you. You've been marked. I feel bad for you, Karen, but it, I used it a lot and it was so useful. I mean, it got right to the point when everything uh, was going nuts, but it is a shame. I think it's fair to say that Maybe it's time to retire it. I, I can accept that argument. Okay, Karen. <laughs> <laughs> if you're going to send a note like this into this show, even if it's legit, you have to expect a response like that or we just would not be us, right? But hey, um, I mentioned this yesterday. I want to mention it to you again. There is a cool conference coming up that is free. It's online. It takes place on Saturday, April the 1st. It's called Inspire for Health, and you can uh, find out more about it. It's the Inspire 22 conference at inspireforhealth.com. That's inspireforhealth.com. Free online event. What does it mean to treat your body like the temple that God gave you? How do we take more preemptive and preventative care of our bodies rather than allowing ourselves to be relegated to the this death trap medical system of the last 23 months? Hey, we no way to treat a respiratory infection. Go home till you can't breathe. Come back to the ER and then maybe we put you on a ventilator and we'll flip a coin if you ever get out of here. Right? That was pretty much medical care in America for the last couple of years, right? Right. How do we deal with these things? What? How much vitamin D to take? What's the right amount? What's an IU? What What do a lot of these things mean? All right. So this is something you want to check out. Uh, go to inspireforhealth.com. Yours truly, along with our buddy, Dr. Ryan Cole, will be part of a roundtable conversation, kind of a big picture panel conversation we're going to have during this event. Free to attend if you want to go. This would be, you know, you guys are the big uh, granola crunchers. This isn't necessarily an anti-vax thing, but this would be you get, your substitute for being anti-vax a lot is an emphasis on preventative health in your community, yes, right? Correct. Yeah. So this would be kind of up your alley as well. All right. So inspireforhealth.com is where you want to go to register for free today at inspireforhealth.com. Um, 
Where do I want to go next? Rhonda wants to know, who do you dislike the most and why? Bill O'Reilly, Sean Hannity, or Lindsey Graham? Lindsey Graham. Lindsey Graham's visceral. Visceral. Actually, he's way above the other two. Visceral, because he's also in a position of power. That's a visceral dislike. Here's a story. I'll give the story that embodies that. Back during Kavanaugh, when Lindsey Graham had his tirade. Oh, the outburst, how, yeah. And we were talking on the phone uh, after the show about giving... Uh, and my argument was, it, 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 uh, we're not Lindsey Graham fans here, uh, but you were making a point, and I started to push back just a little bit on on Lindsey Graham's, uh, you know, having a moment here. You, you. I wasn't got, having it. Oh no! It was like <laughs> no. You you went full John Luke Picard here and no further. We verboten. will not entertain this. Yeah, he is verboten in my world. Yes, it's Lindsey Graham. With O'Reilly, it's just it's just disappointment to see someone take. A legacy that people like you gave him and then urinate right in your faces with it. Hannity, I don't personally dislike him at all. In fact, his reputation for how he treats people in our business, you should know, is excellent. I just find his content vapid, shallow, and of no interest to me. But it's not like personal. Lindsey Graham is personal. More in a moment. One thing I can add to our recent vacation at Universal and uh, the heat down there is sweat block really held up. I used uh, the deodorant every day down there. I use the deodorant lotion down there for some of those uh, nether regions that can get swampy as well. Just phenomenal how well those held up. Uh, and I'm confident aided my ability to hold up uh, in the heat too. So if you want to try sweat block, you can even just try the, the their first product, their most basic product, those sweat block wipes. That you put on your pits before you go to bed, and then voila, you're good to go for several days without having to worry about excessive sweat. Stronger and more effective than even most clinical antiperspirants out there. Use the promo code DACE when you go to sweatblock.com and get 20% off when you do. Promo code my last name DACE, D-E-A-C-E at sweatblock.com to get 20% off. Excellent product. I use it myself, and it just worked like a charm down in sunny and hot Florida last week. Sweatblock.com, promo code DACE. Let's get back to some feedback Friday. This is from Todd Owens. I may sound like an idiot for asking this, but I want to make sure I understand what you mean by spirit of the age. I've assumed that it essentially means the influence of Satan, but that has always been, ex- but that has always existed. Is it possible that people are just embracing it now, whether intentionally or unwittingly, at some point, could you possibly elaborate on the show for those of us who would benefit from some edification? Sure. You answered your own question. That's what it means. Now, it takes on a different form in a given age or era or culture, okay? So the spirit of the age in, in our era isn't for Malok or for Baal or for Chemosh uh, or for Jupiter or Saturn or Zeus or Athena. Um, it, it is faux intellectualism, meaning information that is not undergirded with any level of truth whatsoever. So epistemology is dead. It's, it's truthless. Even in the 
cultures that I just cited, they still produced Socrates, Aristotle. Okay. Um, we are incapable of producing that in our elite sectors in this day and age. So it, it, it takes on different forms, but in its, at its essence, its source is exactly what you said. Yeah. It is what is, what are, what is the main demonic influence over a culture at that time? That's how I would define the spirit of the age. You guys okay with that definition? Yeah. Anything you want to add to it? Oh, I think that's good. Okay. Kendall Stevens says, I've been in New York City working through the whole of COVID. In January of 2022, there were lines around the block for tests at all the testing sites. So just a month and a half ago. Since Valentine's, the lines have vanished. The testing sites are all still there, but there are no testees. I can. I think that's probably true in more ways than one there oh, in the state of yeah. New York, brother. Right, but anyway, uh, could this account for the fall off in positivity rates? No test equals no positives. Thanks for your focus on this. Without your show, I would have been left with my own unsubstantiated beliefs. Yeah. This has been, This is, there are three things that have happened with COVID. One, the outbreak of a legit respiratory virus. That's number one. Number two, um, the scandemic, the use of that outbreak in order to gain power and impose policies and advance narratives and agendas that prior to that virus and the fear that it caused would not, the people would not have been conditioned for, groomed for, uh, and, and palatable at the ready. Number three is the case-demic. And the case-demic was used in order to maintain for as long as they could, as they could, the scandemic. If you talked about, hey, deaths were down, well, look at cases. Cases are down, well, look at deaths. It was a moving target. No one could tell you when it was done, when, it, when, when we finished, when it was won, when was the West won. No one could tell you. But then along came Omicron and has blown all of this up. And I will tell you, Kendall, your email is what inspired me uh, earlier during the day group. I went, I cited the latest jab statistics in America. In the last 30 days, only 26,407 Americans have been added to the ranks of fully vaccinated, which isn't true because no one is vaccinated by any definition of the term vaccine prior to COVID. But we'll go with fully jabbed instead. 26,407 in 30 days. That's nothing in a country of this size. Nothing. In the last week, barely 3,000 Americans have. The jab is completely and totally collapsed because of Omicron. And so when Omicron came along, they had two options. One is keep trying to play this out longer. But the problem is, if you if they go with that option, then you risk, right? It, it, you know what? I'll use a fantasy football analogy. <laughs> In fantasy football, if you have a sleeper you really like, chances are, unless your entire league is full of nimrods, at least one other person in that league probably has the same sleeper that you do. Because everyone's reading the same magazines and the same websites and everything else, Okay. 
And so what you don't want to do is you, you always want to draft that sleeper around earlier than you thought. Rather than waiting around and thinking you'll get him later and then you won't. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. All right. There's a, there's a point of no return, of diminishing return. If they had continued with the scandemic, as the Omicron data more and more came in, you've heard me say many times over the years on this show, all people are sinful, but they, not, they are not all stupid. Had they continued with that, this truth would have been so obvious that it would have prompted all kinds of other questions that would have brought them into accountability. That's why I thought they would take an off-ramp. Now, don't give me too much credit for that because they went beyond off-ramp. I mean, they, they dove into a wormhole, okay? I mean, we're, we're in an alternative universe now. It's like COVID never even existed. But this is the reason why I thought they would take some form of off-ramp. Because if they didn't, because Omicron really was nature's vaccine. A happenstance variant, a gift from God, something that somebody leaked because they got some whistleblower, got tired of the scam. Who knows what its origins truly are. But it really is nature's vaccine. And they couldn't hide that from everybody. So they were going to have to pick the, the, the inflection point. All right, here's where we get off the train and we move on. We're going to take the off-ramp. Because if they didn't, then we would be the ones now, we would be the ones prompting these changes because we have the data and we're imposing it on them. They're now Justin Trudeau and we're the trucker convoy. See what I'm saying? We're the ones causing them to make changes. We have them on the defensive. They didn't want that to happen to them. So they decided to make the changes before we got to that point. Just like it's no coincidence they did all these things before the State of the Union, it's also no coincidence they did all those things before our trucker convoy arrived. They didn't want to give us the power of us forcing them into these changes to maintain the narrative that they are the overlords here and they are now on a benevolent whim. Right? Isn't that what CDC said last week? We will give you some relief from the masks. Because we'll probably have to, just in case we have to bring them back later. So that's what the case demic provided. Test everything, test everything that moves. Uh, have, the, have, the, have the sensitivity levels on your PCR tests be way out of whack. We talked about that last year, right? Okay. Test asymptomatic people. Test everything. Test, test everything. Test every organism. Test them all. Symptomatic or not. Keep those cases rising because that was that case demic was the justification for the scam demic, the power grab. But then Omicron came along, and that blew up all their narratives. So it's just going to be a matter of whether they were going to be clever in how they reacted to it. Would they react to Omicron before we forced them to act because of our reaction to Omicron? And they did. To Ukraine. We're on that now. Thoughts? You make me want to crawl in a hole after these answers. I make me want to crawl in a hole. Yeah, it doesn't mean they're any less true, but my, yes. My thoughts are, it's Friday. Is it beer 30 yet? Is <laughs> it beer 30? <laughs> my thoughts are more red rum. Those are more my thoughts, but I, I can go with beer 30, I guess. Aaron? My thoughts are... um. Because, I mean, there are several. So, 
I said a few weeks ago, the question, uh, the question I get, um, I get really sick of you asking, but it needs to continue to be asked. What's the benign, innocent explanation for fill in the blank? The statement that I'm really getting tired of saying that's absolutely as true as that question is, there are several answers and all of them are bad. Mm -hmm. That's what we keep culturally, politically, geopolitically. Every single institution, the church, the church included in, in some factions, a lot of factions, um, any time, any ill that we see, there are a lot of explanations for why they are the way that they are. And most all of them are bad. That's, that's, that's the gist that I'm getting every, every single day. And, um, short of a revival, it's just going to keep rolling downhill. Correct. Um, Ben writes, is it possible that the primaries are rigged? Maybe have been for a long time. I just don't understand where the mass number of Republicans are that vote for people like McConnell, Graham, Abbott, etc. When you think that most of the Republicans who vote in primaries are engaged enough to know who the frauds are. I just don't understand how big money is such a big influence when conservative voters are usually politically informed. Oh, yeah, this is Ben. If this was the gong show, bong. Uh, unfortunately, there is no unknown comic here. Um, are there that many ignorant primary voters? Oh, Ben. Didn't I tell you about Beer 30, Ben? Come on. Um, <laughs> you guys, I get tons of emails all the time. Have this guy on. He's a good candidate in a primary. Yeah. We did this for years on this show. I mean, I worked professionally in primaries. I mean, I was very active in them. I, I'm not anymore. And it's rare that we will have people on. Here's why. Because there's, I get a certain amount of airtime and I have to redeem that time. And I, I, it would be far more productive talking about the things that we do that mobilize people and inspire and equip them, hopefully, than profiling a bunch of primary candidates that in most cases, sadly, are grist for the mill. And... I'm sorry that that's the case. Somebody sent me an email this morning. I don't think your 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 analysis of Chip Roy getting the most votes in Texas among the entire Republican delegation in the primary holds up because look how many votes Greg Abbott got. Actually, it totally holds up, even though he made a good point. I told him that, but I didn't tell him why it holds up. I will tell you why, Ben, and the rest of you. What's Chip Roy been on a lot lately? Fox. Yeah. Yep. And not a lot. Yeah. Because what's the number one factor in winning a primary? And, and especially against a Republican incumbent, what's the number Fox. one factor? Fox or name ID. Name ID is. That's the most expensive thing to build is name ID. The weekend after that carpet bagger that Trump endorsed in Tennessee, the weekend after she was doing panels on Fox to raise her name ID. Because elections are more like, primary elections really are like the distinguished gentleman. Brady Murphy has the same name as James Garner's white guy, and he just pretends he's him, the black guy, and gets elected to Congress on it. That's, I knew I knew we were doomed. I've, ta- I've told this story before. 
when on the Bevin campaign and all the media, the, all the media coverage that that campaign generated when we went after Mitch McConnell in that Senate primary with a guy who clearly wasn't a terrible candidate because later on he got elected governor of the damn state, right? And we got annihilated. We got annihilated. And there was actually more voter turnout in the Democrat Senate primary in Kentucky that, that night than, than ours. Like all those voters in Appalachia didn't even know who we were. Why? Because we got all kinds of we got all kinds of media coverage for Challenge and Ditch, but it was all on MSNBC and CNN. Fox never did a single story on it one time. Never talked about it. Don't think the the vast majority of Republican voters are low information too. That's just the reality, and that's why these people survive. South Carolina is not a red state; it's at best a pink one which is the perfect color to represent the never-ending political career of Lindsey Graham. That's just the reality, and it's why, it, it's, it's why, I, it's why I, I was already heavily invested in biblical worldview stuff. I went full bore into that after the, after the 2014 primary cycle. And you rarely hear me talk primaries or anything anymore. Good luck to you. If you can win one, cool. Once you get in, we'll do everything we can to help you. I just know we won't be much help to you winning one. Because that's just the reality. Why did Trump beat us on the Cruz campaign? Because he had Fox and we didn't. So his mistakes got minimized. All of ours got maximized. The minute Trump and Fox said we were stealing elections by beating him at a state convention, we were stealing elections because Fox said so. That's just the reality. Name ID trumps absolutely everything. Name ID does. Any final thoughts after that rather depressing breakdown? Don't think of what's going on here. Weather getting better, masks gone, jabs stalling, all that stuff. Don't put that return normal cap back on. Burn it, kill it, destroy it. That was back to normal thinking that Steve just deconstructed. We can't ask the same merry-go-round of nonsensical questions as we did before COVID. Honestly, we've got we've got to up our game. We absolutely have to up our game. We need to become Minutemen. There's people right now talking about the Constitution as being trash. Right now. The Civil War is coming. You going to play or not? Don't end up in a ditch. Excellent advice. Have a great weekend. We'll be back at it again on Monday, maybe. Until then, John 317. This is Steve Dace. On the Blaze Radio Network.